Welcome to Talking Success, the podcast series that focuses on everything fintech. I'm your host, Darren Franks, and each week I'll be joined by a series of experts in the field who have a wealth of knowledge to share. It's time to meet this week's guest, so grab a coffee and let's start talking success. It's interesting you mentioned the MTOs, right? Because I think, um, sorry, uh, MNOs, sorry. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the role the telcos play in a financial inclusion, um, because we know about sort of mobile penetration across Africa. Um, we know, you know, the sort of numbers that, um, that we've seen over the last five, six years and, and what they're expected to be. Um, we see the, yeah. um, you know, the mass adoption of smart, uh, sorry, smartphones versus feature phones, mm-hmm. um, you know, massively mm-hmm. come down in price, which makes it a lot more accessible to a lot more people. Um, Correct. But again, a lot of people don't necessarily have a bank account or the ability to open a bank account in parts of Africa. So being able to have an mm. M-Pesa wallet or an Airtel wallet or whatever, MTN, uh, Momo, whatever it may be, um, you know, yeah. to, to, to have those sorts of facilities. And then, you know, if I'm, um, so say I'm a, a, an M-Pesa customer, right, um, in Kenya, and I'm a smallholder mm. farmer, and I need to get some credit for buying crops or whatever it may be for the following day, and I go to someone like mm. 4G Capital, um, who are a fintech, but specifically on lending. If I, as a um, perhaps as another lender or a mm-hmm. banking institution or financial institution, want to look at the holistic view of that individual, I'm not just looking at one source of data in open banking. I'm looking at you know their 4G capital account in terms of repayments on loan. I'm looking at um, different trends based on you know um, mm. payments or lifestyle choices, whatever it may be, on mobile phone. Yeah. And I, I was talking to yeah. someone yesterday, actually, who um, was talking to me about uh, different types of credit scoring um, rather than just relying on credit unions, looking at things like mm. social data, um, looking at mm. geo um, sort of geolocation data. Um, and, mm. you know, e- even for – this blew me away, by the way. Um, you know, in terms of how they do credit scoring, for farmers in – I think it was Malawi – um, mm-hmm. They're flying drones over the farm, doing mm-hmm. imagery of crops to know the, the condition of the crops, and then lend, uh, applying a credit score to that farmer based on the condition of the crop to know whether that you know that's, 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 that's amazing stuff. That's, right? that's, really, that's really a hell of a that's a hell of a use case, isn't it? Right, but 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 again, Darren, to the exact point you're making, right, is around this ecosystem built around the user. Yes. Right. So, so if we're going to see that financial inclusion, right? Um, if we're going to see that that uh, that uh, integration between MNO as the entry point into 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 basic level uh, financial services, into credits, into uh, full full born transactional banking, that's where APIs come into it and play that value. So, I think you'll actually see a very close correlation between financial inclusion in the continent as we try and switch from that. Ninety-five percent of cash into an increased percentage on on uh, on uh, on, uh, on digital payments. You're going to see a very close proxy between that transition and the preponderance and the and the and the and the, and the uh, penetration of APIs across the continent. Right. But the challenge then comes to the banks themselves, right? That says, for example, how many banks in South Africa have a coherent API strategy? Yeah. How many banks on the continent have a coherent API strategy? You'll find there's not that many of them. Right. Because I think that I think and I don't know why. Right. Because 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 we have all the regulatory frameworks in place based coming out of Europe. Right. Uh, we have all the technical capability in place coming out of various parts of the world. So to my mind, I don't understand why the API race hasn't started. It's happened in pockets. 
but mm-hmm. it hasn't turned into an arms race where we're com- now competing on price and availability of, 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 of data and information. I don't quite know why that, why that hasn't happened. Or maybe it's still early stage. Maybe it will happen, but to me, that's a critical, it's a critical path for us to get that level of financial inclusion across the continent. Yeah, but it starts to happen in Kenya. There's a bit of an API race going on in Kenya at the moment, right? Um, yeah. A number yeah. of the banks really, really looking at, well, looking, acting upon, um, you know, how do, you, how do we recreate the bank? How do we transform the bank from being, you know, just infrastructure, yeah. just kind of traditional infrastructure to being, uh, you know, an enabler of different mm. forms mm. of fintech, payments, um, custodian, whatever it may be. And that brings us a great segue onto my next bit, right? I've been so excited to talk to you about. Um, kind of, yeah. Before we get to Superapp, because we'll, we'll come to that, right? And if no one knows what okay. I'm talking about, just just give me five minutes, right? So before we get to that, um, again, during your kind of your, your talk uh, a few weeks ago, yeah. you were talking about bundling, well, unbundling, bundling, rebundling. Rebundling, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, financial services products within a banking environment, okay? And I think mm. you used, or maybe I think I asked you the question about something like Revolut, I think, or maybe it was your example of Revolut. You know, Revolut starts Revolut. life as, as a wallet. I mean, that's what it was, right? It was just a wallet. Um, I remember mm. being one of the first customers, one of the first, but, you know, an early adopter of it going, okay, um, I don't trust mm. it. I'm never going to put my life savings in it, but it yeah. might be a bit convenient. And then I remember when I, yeah. um, I was in Dubai, and um, you know, I needed some some forex, and rather than taking travelers mm. checks or using my my credit card, I had this app on my phone. I went, "Oh, this is cool! I can move like I don't know some money into dirhams, and I can start spending dirhams as if I'm transacting locally." Awesome! Mm. Uh, and then the product evolved. And if I look at Revolut now, I mean, it's mind blowing, right? I can get pet insurance. Mm. I can insure my pet, right? I can I can book a holiday. Yeah. I can yeah. get airline lounges. I can um, trade. I can get crypto. Um, I can buy stocks and shares. Um, so so basically, you're going to bank, is what you're saying. They're a bank. Well, they're a bank. Well, they are. They're a bank. Well, they are. They're not necessarily a licensed bank, not in the UK anyway. No, this is also very true. But they're doing everything that a bank does, right? Yeah. So essentially, to our conversation, yeah. they unbundled and now yeah. they've rebundled and essentially yeah. became a digital first bank yeah okay so let me i think let's let's let's, let's take two steps back let's go through to, to anybody watching this who doesn't know what uh, uh bundling unbundling and rebundling yeah, actually is right so 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 essentially uh this the, the start of the great fintech race we can call it that back in 2017 2018 right or even earlier in some instances was around very smart uh companies and startups and fintechs picking at discrete parts of the financial services value chain and disrupting those particular parts, right? So you had like a Revolut that was great at storing money. There were wallets, right? You had another fintech that was only good at, at lending, so they just did lending, right? And you had somebody else who was great at uh, personal finance, and that's all that they did. And essentially you had all these little uh, uh, islands of excellence, as it were, but you didn't have a coherent user journey. You had to go to various different fintechs to get that experience. So, so basically sticking to your netting and being very good at it, right? Yeah. And then as, as, the, as the fintech way of operating and thinking, and simply just to gain scale, right? Because fintechs need to make money, they need to gain customers. Fintechs then started adding additional capability to their core, 
example, right? So let's use the revolution example. It's great. They went from having just a wallet, then they added a basic level of de facto transactional account, right? Then they added a credit piece there as well, right? Now they have pitch insurance. So over time, as that fintech is needed to scale and become more profitable, or grain, uh, drive more revenue, become more profitable, essentially, they have rebundled all the various parts of the financial services ecosystem that had uh, unbundled, right, and disrupted. They brought them all together, but done it digitally, right? And essentially, that's why the point I was trying to drive home is that they've built a digital bank. They are a bank, right? Granted, they never, they never be called that in any traditional sense of the word, but they operate as a bank because they've brought all those various parts of that digital ecosystem and the value chain together on one interface, which is now rebundling. So now, for example, a Revolut is competing head-to-head with, uh, with uh, NatWest, yeah. right? Or, or Lloyd's, for example. They've rebundled financial services, but they've done it at a lower price point. They've done it at a much better uh, uh, interface, much better experience, but most importantly, they've done it with the user at the center of everything that they do. Hence, mm-hmm. they're a digital bank. Yeah. Um, where does that leave traditional ex- Let's bring it back to, to Africa. Um, let's, yeah. let's focus on South Africa, right? So we've got mm. a number of incumbent banks here. Um, we've got uh, a couple of neo banks or challenger banks, Discovery, Zero, yep. Timeline. Um, and I think the closest that I've seen to kind of a revolute model is, is Discovery Bank, right? Um, yep. in, in terms of my needs and what, what I look for when I'm looking at a digital bank. Um, mm. Now, mm. I think Discovery is an interesting one because. If you look at the foundations behind Discovery, uh, they're not a fintech that's just come out, out of nowhere and has raised a load of VC or private equity uh, money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these guys have been around for a long, long time. Um, they've got a, a very, very healthy business in terms of insurance. Um, and then they've set up, you know, Discovery Bank. So me as a, again, obviously anyone listening to this, you can clearly tell I'm not a South African. Um, but as a, as, as a non-South African coming into South Africa, I've been here a decade, um, I have trust automatically in Discovery, right? Automatic mm-hmm. trust because I know the brand. Um, you know, would I be comfortable in putting, you know, large sums of money into Discovery? Actually, yeah, I would. Um, if it was another bank, and I won't mention any other names, but if there was another bank that, or, or a fintech that just kind of popped up from nowhere, and said, you can do all and these say, things. Give us your money. Give like, us your money. Uh, yeah. And, and in some yeah. respects, I still feel the same way about revenue. Um, you know, for me, it's a convenience, it's a wallet, and I can do some cool stuff on it. Am I going to put mm. my life savings or a large proportion of my mm. money into it? No, I'm not. A, because they don't have a banking license in the UK and, you know, the capital isn't guaranteed or deposits aren't guaranteed. Uh, but I'm still a bit unsure. I, I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit old school. Um, Showing sure yeah. age now, right? Um, but I, I, I just think that there needs to be a bit more reassurance. Yeah. So, if we if we look at the, yeah. the incumbent banks here, uh, the traditional banks here in South Africa, um, what is what does the future hold? Do you think there will be a? Because again, I'm an FMB customer, and I've got mm. loads of different kind of choices on my FMB app, and you know too many that I probably haven't clicked half of them, quite frankly. Um, mm. And then there's a PayShap one just just arrived the other day. And given I did a, a, a an interview with uh, Paul the other day, I thought I'd better try it out, so I did do it. But, um, but how about the, how is PayShap? Though? It's fantastic, right? It's, it's very <laughs> cool, right? In terms of user experience, right? And world world leading as well. But anyway, that's the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but um, I, I just wonder what you know your view, and not a NetBank view, you know, just your own personal view, um, where you think. You know, the incumbent banks here in South Africa are going to go in the next few years. Mm. Mm. So, 
I'm just trying to just phrase this correctly in my mind, right? So the bank's going to face increasing competition from, from the neobanks, right? And yeah. we see it already. So we know that Time Bank, for example, is, I think existential threat is too strong a term to use, but if I believe there, but there is a threat, right? Same thing from a discovery. Bank Zero is kind of just muddling along and we'll see what that looks like in the next two, three years. But to me, what I know is keeping a lot of strategy teams up at night is the Time Bank piece. And the, and the discovery piece as well. And also Capitec to a certain extent. I know Capitec is not a neobank by any stretch of the imagination, but they are a challenger, right, to how yeah. we've done things going forward. So you're going to see the banks becoming a lot more nimble going forward. If you look at how banks have now become a lot better at getting um, uh, digital products and experiences out onto their platforms simply because they have no choice to. And when I started in the industry, uh, I'm not going to expose my age, but it was a while ago, all right? For example, a release a release cycle uh, was anywhere between two to three a year, right? Now, in some instances, we do one a month. In some cases, we do two a month, depending on what's, what's actually happening. So banks have become agile simply because they've had no choice but not to do that, right? And they've become a lot better from a design perspective. We're seeing a lot of uh, UX and UI improvement across interfaces, across all the banks as well, simply because they've had no option but to yeah. become world-class at this, yeah. right? So essentially, you see the competitive pressure from your challenger banks and your neo banks, making the traditional banks faster and better at what they do. There will be an inflection point, however, where you're going to start seeing a bit of customer leakage and revenue leakage from the traditional banks, right? The benefit the traditional banks do have is their brand. Everybody knows FNB, uh, uh, um, uh, NetBank, right? Not that many people may be au okay with a Discovery Bank. Granted, they're part of a larger brand, but stick with me here, or a Time Bank or a Bank Zero. So you're going to start seeing as those challenger bank brands become more entrenched in the market, you're going to start seeing an erosion of customers from the traditional banks as well. That'll then lead to a second inflection point where the traditional banks then say, all right, guys, we are bleeding on NII, net interest income, and NIR, non-interest revenue, right, which is the core of, 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 of revenue within, within the traditional banking space. We need alternative revenue pools and sources of income. And that's where you're going to start seeing banks moving outside of the traditional business and starting asking questions on how do we monetize customer data, right? How do we build digital ecosystems that have nothing to do with banking, but there's still a revenue pool for us there, which talks to our super app discussion we'll get into just now, right? How do we get into joint ventures with non-traditional partners such as telcos to start mining potential revenue on that side as well, right? So you're going to see almost... Uh, a supermarketification to make up a word on the spot of yeah. the traditional banking services simply to in search of additional revenue pools and profit pools. And this has become, this will become as a result of competitive pressure from your challenger banks and your neo banks. They start nipping away at that core business and I, and I are and getting very good at nipping that core business. That's yeah. where I think it goes, right? You and I could take a bet. And I think I made this when I spoke uh, at the last, uh, the last event that sees potentially a 10 to 15 year horizon, maybe even 20 year within the South African space, where one of the majors will be taken over by a telco, simply because there's distribution component there from a telco perspective. There is a data component there. Telcos have a huge amount of data. Banks have a huge amount of data. But most importantly, a telco has significant alternative streams that may be very attractive income streams and profit streams that may be very, 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 very uh, uh, appealing to a traditional bank. That's my take on how I was going to I was, I was go on. It's an interesting view. And I think if I was a betting man, which I'm not, apart from crypto, because that's kind of betting, um, I, would, um, I would look at a bank in 10 years' time, and I reckon just from a, a, a human capital perspective, yeah. 
they're a quarter of the size of what they are now. Well, you don't need yes, no, it's not running traditional banking. But, you don't need. But that, that's that's happening right now. Of course, it is. Absolutely, that's happening right now. So, so look at look at the AI into the mix, and you're going. Hang right. on, there's so many, you know, um, jobs yeah. that will become redundant. That, that. No, but but it's happening now. So if you look, if you look at uh, not, not even pre AI, right? Because I know yeah. I know AI is now the, the 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 hot topic of the moment, right? But even pre AI, if you if you ever can't sleep, read through the various banks' annual reports, right? And look at how much they're investing in terms of square footage. And what you're seeing is a year-on-year drop in terms of square footage. Actually, the amount of real estate a bank owns, right, and operates from, decreasing across all the major banks over the past five-year period. And why is that happening? Simply because the real estate real is not needed because the people aren't there to fill that space. But not only are the people not there, the customers aren't there to fill their wow. space. Those customers have migrated to digital platforms, right? So you're seeing physical footprints uh, decreasing, right? Uh, and you're seeing and you're seeing just less space being used to actually service more clients and service them better, right? But to your point, as AI now comes into it, right, uh, with GTP and all the amazing things coming out of there, uh, and as RPA now starts maturing on steroids as a result of GTP, sorry GPT, you now you may now start seeing. Uh, the banks simply start shrinking because you don't need so many people to get the stuff done anymore, right? Uh, and then, for example, if you start getting better use cases for blockchain, I know we spent a few minutes talking about that, right? But blockchain has a fantastic use case in in compliance, right, in terms of smart contracts. Yeah. It has a fantastic use case in terms of payments, uh, both intra-border intra and, and, uh, and, and uh, cross-border as well. Now, if you have blockchain, AI, smart contracts, and some really, really strong tech running that, do you necessarily need your massive compliance departments anymore? Right. So, so, so we are going to start seeing that disruption. I don't know to what scale, but to your point, um, the bank of the future will be smaller, will be nimbler, will be more profitable, right? Uh, and we'll be looking for, for additional revenue and profit pools outside the traditional banking business. So we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, let's, let's go on to super apps. Okay, because there's kind of a bit, yes. another, another bit of a segue, right? Um, yeah. If you were a betting man, which I know you're not, um, would you bet on... Sorry? Are you? I am not a betting man. You're not betting man. No, no. No, you're a, you're a banker. You're a banker. Of course you're not a betting man. Um, I only bet on because I know where to win. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> only bet on certainties. Yeah. Um, if you were to kind of be a betting man... Um, where would you where where do you think a super app and again just just to sort of unpack what a super app is it's basically you can do kind of every your whole life is on one app right without having as we were saying earlier on in the conversation without having to log on to ten different um, sort of banking apps and a trading app and a payments this and, a, and a, everything's in one place right um, do you think that's going to come from a fintech do you think that's going to come mm-hmm. from a bank do you think that's going to mm-hmm. come from a tech player or do you think that's mm-hmm. going to come from a telco? You, you can only pick one. It's going to be option last. It's going to come from a telco. From a and telco. I'll tell you why. Right. So mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of alluded to it, but I'll tell you why. Yeah. Why you're going to see that real scale come from a, from a, from a super app perspective, come from a telco. Yes, I do know there are FS businesses and banks out there that have their own super apps that are doing okay in the market, doing quite well in the market. But to get that step change, right? 
is going to be a telco simply because they have the customer base, right? So if you look at the two large telcos in South Africa, Vodacom and MTN, between the two of them each have about what, uh, 25 million customers each, right? That's, 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 critical, that's critical mass, right? If you penetrate your super app that gives you uh, control over your, your mobile phone data, airtime, home fiber, right? A wallet, which they can do without a bank, by the way, right? They can do that right now, right? And then you throw in uh, uh, related adjacencies from financial service through a JV, where you're now offering credits. You're offering a, 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 a low-value insurance product, for example, a funeral plan. And then, obviously, then kind of upwitting that into high-value insurance, which is home, car, uh, and, and, uh, and personal health and cover on, on personal life and all those good things. Now, do you see how the choice becomes a telco? Simply because they have the data, they have the critical mass in terms of customers, but most importantly, they're in the best position because they have a core product, right? Which is the which is the, the, the the mobile phone stuff, right? Um, even have the device, right? So you can get the device from them. Um, there's only one bank in SA that's going to give you a device, and it's FNB. The other banks have tried and haven't quite cracked that business case. So they can give you the device. They can give you the content for the device, and then they can give you all the other stuff that you need for your life through that device. Telco for Sudan. It's pretty pretty compelling. Pretty compelling. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. We can go on for hours, right? Yeah, um, great, yeah. and there's so much yeah, more. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have you back on. And um, no, I, think, yeah. I think we should wait three months, right? And we'll see how many banks are still in existence, what the price of uh, <laughs> Ethereum. Or how many, or how many yeah. Exactly, right? Let, let's see where interest rates are as well. So if we start seeing some softening and interest rates getting a bit dovish, I think the banks are going to be okay. If we're going to see... Uh, Jerome Powell, because everybody takes lead from the Fed, from the from the Fed Reserve, get yeah. more hawkish. Uh, it's going to get shaky out there. So maybe yeah, maybe three months. Let's see where we are. Well, I'll tell you what. If uh, if XRP goes to thirteen thousand dollars a uh, a coin, or thirteen sorry thirteen hundred dollars a coin, um, I'll yeah. be recording this from like Hawaii, Hawaii or uh, the Bahamas or something yeah. like that, right? So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll know in three months' time based on my background well, no. how the price of <laughs> Exactly. Um, no, listen, we'll touch, we'll touch thank you so much. Yeah. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, you know, thanks for sharing your uh, your insights, and your energy, and your enthusiasm. And um, if anyone wants to find you, uh, LinkedIn best place. Best way is LinkedIn. Absolutely, yeah. the best way is LinkedIn. Uh, work emails is never good because you know it's a it's a daily blizzard. So, absolutely, LinkedIn is the way to go. Just search for Tawanda Chatikobo. You will find me on there. And then let's keep the conversation going as well. And I love a good debate. Um, I'm wrong sometimes. Sometimes I'm right. But that's the whole thing about a debate, right? We learn from one another. So absolutely, Dan, thank you for this. This was very good. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of Talking Success. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us for this fascinating discussion on all things fintech. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and have gained some valuable insights into the ever-evolving world of finance and technology. A huge thank you to our guests for sharing their expertise and providing us with some amazing insights that we certainly couldn't have done this without them. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more exciting conversations with experts in the field. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep talking success.